Chapter 14 of Collected Papers on Analytical Psychology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fernando Borrego. Collected Papers on Analytical Psychology by Carl Gustav Jung. Translated by Constance Ellen Long, 1867-1923. through 1923. Chapter 14. 6. The Synthetic or Constructive Method. We now reach the fifth stage of progressive understanding. The coming to terms with the unconscious is a technical performance to which the name of transcendental function has been given because a new function is produced, which being based upon both real and imaginary, or rational and irrational data, makes a bridge between the rational and irrational functions of the psyche. The basis of the transcendental function is a new method of treating psychological materials such as dreams and fantasies. The theories previously discussed were based upon an exclusively causal reductive procedure which reduces the dream or fantasy of its component reminiscences and the extinctive processes that underlie them. I have already stated the justification as well as the limitations of this proceeding. It reaches the end of its usefulness at the moment when the dream symbols no longer permit of a reduction to personal reminiscences or aspirations. That is, when the images of the absolute unconscious begin to be produced. It would be quite inappropriate to reduce these collective ideas to what is personal, and not only inappropriate, but even actually pernicious. A fact that has been impressed upon me by disagreeable experiences. The values of the images or symbols of the absolute unconscious are only disclosed if they are subjected to a synthetic, not analytical treatment. Just as analysis, the causally reductive procedure disintegrates the symbol into its components, so the synthetic procedure synthesizes the symbol into a universal and comprehensible expression. The synthetic procedure is by no means easy. I will therefore give an example by means of which I can explain the whole process. A patient had the following dream. She was just at the critical juncture between the analysis of the personal unconscious and the commencement of the production of the absolute unconscious. I am on the point of crossing a broad and rapid stream. There is no bridge, but I find a ford where I can cross. As I am just on the point of doing so, a big crab that lay hidden in the water seizes my foot and does not let go. She awoke in fear. Associations with the dream were as follows. 1. Stream. It forms a boundary that is difficult to cross. I must surmount an obstacle. I suppose it refers to the fact that I am getting on very slowly. I suppose I ought to reach the other side. 2. Ford. An opportunity for getting safely across. A possible way. Otherwise, the stream would be too difficult. The possibility of surmounting the obstacle lies in the analytical treatment. 3. Crab. The crab lay quite hidden in the water. I did not see it at first. Cancer is a fearful, incurable illness. A series of recollections of Mrs. X, who died of cancer, followed. I am afraid of this illness. A crab is an animal that walks backwards. Obviously, it wants to pull me down into the stream. It clutched me in a gruesome way and I was awfully afraid. What prevents my getting across? Oh, yes. 
I had another great scene with my friend. It must be explained that there is something special about this friendship. We have here an ardent attachment, bordering on the homosexual. It has been going on for years. The friend is in many respects like the patient and is also nervous. They have pronounced artistic interests in common, but the patient is the stronger personality of the two. They are both nervous, and their mutual relation, being too engrossing, cuts them off too much from other possibilities of life. In spite of an ideal friendship, they have at times tremendous scenes, owing to their mutual irritability. Evidently, the unconscious wishes to put some distance between them, but they refuse to pay attention to it. A scene usually begins by one of them finding that she does not yet understand the other well enough and that they ought to talk more openly together, whereupon both make enthusiastic endeavors to talk things out. Misunderstandings supervene almost directly, provoking fresh scenes, each worse than the last. The quarrel was in its way a faute de mien, a pleasure to both of them, which they were unwilling to relinquish. My patient, especially was unable for a very long time to renounce the sweet pain of not being understood by her best friend. Although, as she said, every scene tired her to death, she has long since realized that this friendship has become superfluous and that it was only from mistaken ambition that she clung to the belief that she could yet make something ideal out of it. The patient had formerly had an extravagant, fantastic relation with her mother and after her mother's death, had transferred her feelings to her friend. 7. Analytical Causal Reductive Interpretation This interpretation may be summed up in a sentence. I understand that I ought to get to the other side of the stream, that is, give up the relation with the friend. But I would much rather that my friend did not let me out of her claws. Embrace. That is, expressed as an infantile wish. Mother would like to attract me to herself again by the well-known mode of enthusiastic embraces. The incompatibility of the wish lies in the strong undercurrent of homosexuality, the existence of which has been abundantly proved by obvious facts. The crab seizes her foot, the patient having big, manly feet. She plays a masculine part towards her friend, having also corresponding sexual fantasies. The foot is known to have phallic significance. Detailed evidence of this is to be found in Agramont's writings. The complete interpretation would run as follows. The reason why she will not let her friend go is because her unconscious homosexual wishes are set upon her. As these wishes are morally and aesthetically incompatible with the tendency of the conscious personality, they are repressed and therefore unconscious. The fear is an expression of this repressed wish. This interpretation is exceedingly depreciative of the patient's high-pitched conscious ideal of friendship. It is true, at this point of analysis, she would no longer have taken this interpretation amiss. Sometime before certain facts has sufficiently convinced her of her homosexual tendency, so that she was able to acknowledge the existence of this inclination frankly, although it was of course painful for her to do so. Therefore, if at this stage of treatment I had informed her that this was the interpretation, I should not have encountered resistances from her. She had already overcome the painfulness of this unwelcome tendency by understanding it. But she would have said to me, Why do we analyze this dream at all? 
it is only repeating what I have now known for a long while. It is true, this interpretation does not reveal anything new to the patient, and it is therefore uninteresting and ineffective. This kind of interpretation would, at the beginning of the treatment, have been impossible in this case, because the patient's prudishness would under no circumstances have acknowledged it. The venom of understanding had to be installed very carefully and in the smallest of doses until the patient gradually became more enlightened. But when the analytical or causal reductive interpretation, instead of furnishing something new, persistently brings the same material in different variations, then the moment has come when another mode of interpretation is called for. The causal reductive procedure has certain drawbacks. First, it does not take strictly into account the patient's associations. For example, in this case, the association of the illness, cancer, with crab. Krebs equals cancer. Second, the particular choice of symbol remains obscure. For instance, why does the friend mother appear as a crab? A prettier and more plastic representation would have been a nymph. Half dragged, she him, half sank he down, etc. An octopus, a dragon, a serpent, or a fish could have performed the same services. Third, the causal reductive procedure completely ignores that a dream is a subjective phenomenon and that consequently, even an exhaustive interpretation can never connect the crab with the mother or the friend, but only with the dreamer's idea of them. The whole dream is the dreamer. She is the stream, the crossing, and the crab. That is to say, these details are expressions of psychological conditions and tendencies in the subject's unconscious. I have therefore introduced the following terminology. I call interpretations in which the dream symbols are treated as representations of the real objects, interpretation upon the objective plane. The opposite interpretation is that which connects every fragment of the dream, for example, all the persons who do anything, with the dreamer himself. This is interpretation upon the subjective plane. Objective interpretation is analytical because it dissects the dream contents into complexes of reminiscence and finds their relation to real conditions. Subjective interpretation is synthetic because it detaches the fundamental underlying complexes of reminiscence from their actual causes, regarding them as tendencies or parts of the subject and reintegrating them with the subject. In experiencing something, I do not merely experience the object, but in the first place, myself, although this is only the case if I render myself account of the experience. The synthetic or constructive procedure of interpretation is therefore based upon the version of the subjective plane. 8. The synthetic constructive interpretation. The patient is unconscious of the fact that it is in herself that the obstacle lies which should be overcome, the boundary which is difficult to cross which impedes further progress. But it is possible to cross the boundary. It is true that just here a peculiar and unexpected peril threatens, namely, something animal, non-human or superhuman, which moves backwards and goes into the depths of the stream, wanting to draw down the dreamer as the whole personality. This danger is, moreover, like the deadly disease of cancer, which begins secretly somewhere and is incurable, overpowering, 
The patient imagines that her friend hinders her, pulling her down. So long as this is her belief, she must, per force, influence her friend. Draw her up, teach, improve, educate her, and make futile and impractically idealistic efforts in order to avoid being dragged down herself. Of course, the friend makes similar endeavors, being in a like case with the patient. So both of them keep jumping upon each other like fighting cocks, each trying to fly over the other's head. The higher the point to which one screws herself, the higher must the other also try to get. Why? Because each thinks the fault lies in the other, in the object. Interpretation of the dream on the subjective plane brings deliverance from this absurdity. For it shows the patient that she has something in herself that is hindering her from crossing the boundary. That is, from getting out of the one position or attitude into another. To interpret change of place as change of attitude is supported by the mode of expression in certain primitive languages, where, for example, the phrase, I am on the point of going, is, I am at the place of going. In order to understand the language of dreams, we need plenty of parallels from the psychology of primitive peoples, as well as from historical symbolism. This is so because dreams originate in the unconscious, which contains the residual potentialities of function of all preceding epochs of the history of the evolution of man. Obviously, in our interpretation, everything now depends upon understanding what is meant by the crab. We know that it symbolizes something that comes to light in the friend. She connects the crab with the friend. And also, something that came to light in the mother. Whether both mother and friend really have this quality in them is irrelevant as regards to the patient. The situation will only be changed when the patient herself has changed. Nothing can be changed in the mother because she is dead. The friend cannot be urged to alter. If she wants to alter herself, that is her own affair. The fact that the quality in question is associated with the mother indicates that it is something infantile. What is there in common in the patient's relation both to her mother and her friend? What is common to both is a violently extravagant demand for love, the patient feeling herself overwhelmed by its passion. This claim is an overpowering infantile craving which is characteristically blind. What is in question here is a part of her libido that has not been educated, differentiated, or humanized, retaining still the compulsive character of an instinct because it has not yet been tamed by domestication. An animal is a perfectly appropriate symbol for this role of libido. But why is the animal a crab in this particular instance? The patient associates cancer with it, of which disease Mrs. X died at the age the patient has just reached. It may, therefore, well be that this is an allusion to an identification with Mrs. X. We must, therefore, make inquiries about this Mrs. X. The patient relates the following facts about her. Mrs. X was widowed early. She was very cheerful and enjoyed life. She had a number of adventures with men, especially with one particular man, a gifted artist who the patient herself knew personally and who always impressed her as very fascinating and weird. An identification can only result from an unrecognized, unconscious resemblance. Now that is the resemblance between our patient and Mrs. X. I was able here to remind the patient of a series of former fantasies and dreams which had shown plainly that she also had a frivolous vein in her, although anxiously repressing it. 
because she vaguely feared it might seduce her to an immoral life. We have now gained a further essential contribution to a right understanding of the animal role, which evidently represents an untamed instinctive greed, which in this case is directed to men. At the same time, we understand a further reason why she cannot let go of her friend. She must cling to her in order not to fall prey to this other tendency, which seems so much more dangerous. By these means, she remains at an infantile homosexual stage, which serves her as a defense. Experience proves this erection of defenses to be one of the most effective motives of the retention of unadapted infantile relations. But in this missing libido in the animal role lies her well-being, the germ of her future healthy personality, which does not shrink from the hazards of human life. But the patient had drawn another conclusion from the fate of Mrs. X. Having conceived her severe illness and early death as a punishment of fate for her gay life, which the patient, although certainly not confessing to this feeling, always envied her. When Mrs. X died, the patient pulled a long face, beneath which a human, all too human, malicious satisfaction was hidden. As a punishment for this tendency, the patient, taking Mrs. X's example as a warning, deterred herself from living and from further development, and burdened herself with the misery of this unsatisfying friendship. Of course, this concoctination had not been consciously clear to her. Otherwise, she would never have acted as she had done. The truth of this conclusion can be proved by the material. The history of this identification by no means ends here. The patient subsequently emphasized the fact that Mrs. X had a not inconsiderable artistic capacity which developed only after her husband's death and which led to her friendship with the artist. This fact seems to be one of the essential incentives for the identification. If we call to mind that the patient had already told us what a striking impression she had received from the artist. A fascination of this kind is never exclusively exercised by one person only upon the other. It is a phenomenon of reciprocal relation between two persons, insofar as the fascinated person must provide a suitable predisposition, but she must be unconscious of this predisposition. Otherwise, there will be no fascination. Fascination is a phenomenon of compulsion which lacks conscious ground. That is, it is not a process of the will, but a phenomenon coming from the surface of the unconscious and forcing itself compulsorily upon consciousness. All compulsions arise from unconscious motives. It must therefore be assumed that the patient possesses a similar unconscious predisposition to that of the artist. She becomes identified with this artist and is also identified with him as man. Here we are at once reminded of the analysis of the dream, where we met an illusion of the masculine foot. As a matter of fact, the patient plays a thoroughly masculine part towards her friend, being the active one who continually takes the lead, commanding her friend and occasionally even forcing her somewhat violently to some course that only the patient desires. Her friend is distinctly feminine both in her external appearance and otherwise, whilst the patient is also externally of a somewhat masculine type. Her voice is stronger and deeper than that of her friend. She now describes Mrs. X as a very feminine woman, her gentleness and amiability being comparable to that of her friend, so she thinks. This gives us a new clue 
The patient is obviously playing towards her friend, the artist's part toward Mrs. X. Thus, she unconsciously completes her identification with Mrs. X and her lover. In this way, she is giving expression to her frivolous vein, which she had repressed so carefully. She is not living it consciously, however, but is herself played upon by her own unconscious tendency. We now know a great deal about the crab. It represents the inner psychology of this untamed part of the libido. The unconscious identifications always keep drawing her on. They have this power because being unconscious, they cannot be subjected to insight and correction. The crab is the symbol of the unconscious contents. These contents are always seducing the patient to retain her relation to the friend. The crab goes backwards. But the relation to the friend is synonymous with illness. She became nervous through it, hence the association of illness. Strictly speaking, this really belongs to the analysis on the objective plane. But we must not forget that we only arrive at the understanding by applying the subjective interpretation, which thereby proves itself to be an important heuristic principle. For practical purposes, we might rest quite satisfied with the result we have already reached. But we seek here to satisfy all the requirements of the theory. Not all the associations have yet been used. Neither is the significance of the choice of symbols yet demonstrated sufficiently. We will now recur to the patient's remark that the crab lay hidden under the water in the stream and that she had not seen it at first. She had not at first perceived the unconscious relations that have just been elucidated. They lay hidden in the water, but the stream is the obstacle preventing her from going across. It is precisely the unconscious relations binding her to her friend that have been hindering her. The unconscious was the obstacle. In this case, therefore, the water signifies the unconscious, or, it were better to say, the being unconscious, the being hidden, for the crab is also something unconscious, namely, the portion of the libido that was hidden in the unconscious. End of chapter 14